Did you know that improper disposal of batteries can spark fires? The disposal of rechargeable batteries in household trash has caused a number of fires on garbage trucks and at trash and recycling centers. These fires cost millions of dollars in physical damage each year and put lives in danger. Batteries do not belong in regular trash or recycling. Learn the proper way to dispose of batteries at GoRecycle.org. Brought to you by Fairfax County, Montgomery County, Prince George's County, and Covanta. Improper disposal of batteries can spark fires. Fires on garbage trucks and at trash and recycling centers cost millions and put lives in danger. Batteries do not belong in regular trash or recycling. Learn more at GoRecycle.org. Brought to you by Montgomery County. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome to another edition of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry. Joining me on today's show is none other than the Dogland's draft guru, draft expert, whatever you want to call him, Alex Hale. Alex, how's it going, man? Welcome. Thanks for coming man. on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Always glad to be here. Uh, I guess I've become Mel Kuyper here all of a sudden. I don't know. I, I, I prefer to be Matt Miller or uh, actually Dame Brugler of the site. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather you be those guys too, as, as much as uh, I appreciate Kuyper and what he's done for the draft. Uh, I, I prefer to you as my our Matt Miller, our Dane Brugler, our Daniel Jeremiah, uh, all the good young up and coming draft experts that they're don't all, get they're all don't awesome. get yeah they don't get nearly the praise that Kuiper Kuiper gets but uh, much love to all those guys but before we get to the draft and that's what we're going to talk about uh, I think mostly on this podcast um, give everybody a free agent update what's been going on you know the last time. I sat down to record uh, the Browns had just got John Johnson. First of all, before we get to anything else, Alex, your thoughts on the Browns reported agreement with free agent safety, John, John Johnson. Love it. Absolutely love it. This is one of the best safeties in football right now. Fits perfectly into Joe Wood's scheme. Now you give him three safeties to work with, makes him run that defense that he wants to run. You're getting athletic, playmakers in your secondary which has been missing on this team uh and i will say and i know it sounds crazy i still wouldn't rule out a safety in this draft and the more you have for joe woods to work with he can create a rotation and keep these guys fresh keep them going and man this defense it's looking better now than it was uh a couple of weeks ago yeah, I mean, I talked about it with Jack Duffin last night, and he agreed that, you know, drafting a safety, especially with one of our first three or four picks, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Maybe not at 26, like, you know, some of the mock drafts have projected uh, the kid out of TCU, but maybe at 59. Yeah, Trayvon Morig. Or, but maybe at 59 or 89 or 91, I, I could definitely see them taking a safety because depth isn't a bad thing to have, and especially at a relatively low cap number, um, and because you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison has the injury history. So it would not oh, yeah. shock me if they take a safety uh, early on in the draft. Yeah, definitely. With uh, Delpit's injury, it's an Achilles injury. Uh, I mean, I overheard this on uh, – Actually, Andy Lytle's podcast, uh, the Not the Same Old Browns podcast. Uh, but I was listening to him, and it was a great point. Those Achilles injuries, they're not easy to come back from. So it's not like I don't believe in Delta. It's like, what am I really getting out of you long term? It's more so, look, we believe in you. We believe in your talent. But look, we, we might get two to three years out of you. And that may be it because the Achilles is very damaging in any sport. It's not just football, basketball. That's the killer injury. That's the career ender. Um, and in baseball, gosh, you know, for certain players, that's a backbreaker. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but since, you know, the last time we sat down to do the Dogland podcast, there's been a flurry of free agent moves and more specifically at the edge position, which the Browns, you know, there was a position a lot of people were uh, looking at them to make a big splash in. Uh, you know, Carl Lawson came off the board. He went to the Jets. Trey, Trey Hendrickson went off the board. He went to the Bengals. Uh, Bud Dupree went to the Titans in an absolute overpay that I don't think is nearly getting talked about enough. The media just seems to be drooling over that fact that he, he went to Tennessee for the money he did. And then 
Um, coming off injury, no less. Yeah, coming off injury, and they gave him $85 million. Now, of course, all that's not guaranteed, but $16.5 million for a player that when you look into the metrics, he's not worth that much money. Oh, but, no. He's always been a solid pass rusher. He's never been the guy people thought he was going to be when he came out of college. Like, everyone, I remember that draft very well. He was one of those guys that I kept pounding the table for the Browns to get because we were running that pet in 3-4, and I was like, oh, man, you get you get Bud Dupree in this defense, and oh, my gosh, watch out. Then they take Cam Irving, and I'm like, watch the Steelers draft this guy. Two picks later, Steelers pick him, and I'm on a draft show. And I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm baffled at that contract. But those guys went off the board. And, um, you know, there's still some good names out there. Jadevian Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Alden Smith. Uh, Tyus Bowser went off the board earlier today. I don't know how much interest the Browns had in him. But the edges are starting to come off the board. But, Alex, I feel like the Browns are playing this perfectly. They're not overpaying for anybody. They're going to let the market settle. And I feel like they're going to find some value signings here uh, in the next coming days. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tack McKinley, I think, is high on their board if everything checks out, especially price. Alden Smith, I forgot about him. Like, he was looking solid for Dallas. Oh, man, if he's really coming back to form, please go get him. Just put him in the right culture scenario Put him opposite Miles Garrett, and oh my God, you're going to get a value right there. I mean, he showed he still has it. Oh, without uh, a doubt. Yeah, I mean, you put him opposite Miles Garrett, I think teams are going to be terrified of what you offer. Um, I mean, Melvin Ingram would be a solid signing. Clowney, good run stopper. But again, it, it goes back to a theme that we're going to probably be talking about a lot. Uh, because they didn't get those premier guys. And while I believe it was smart because you're paying Miles Garrett about 20 million a year and you're going to pay these guys 15 million a year, you're going to invest about 35 million on two guys on your line. That's not feasible even with the cap going up. You don't do that. That's irresponsible and they know that. So how about you get a couple of guys on two, three-year deals that are fairly reasonable then in the draft where the tier two of pass rushers, which honestly looking at it, there is no tier one. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've tried on Gregory Rousseau. Uh, the only one that's come close and we'll get into it later is Kawiti Paye out of uh, Michigan. Uh, he's my defensive end number one on the board. He's probably closest to tier one we got, but even then it's like, is he really, I mean, you can make a case for any of these guys being edge number one on my board. Um, the tier two, the second, third round group, you are going to find people there. Just solid players, maybe a guy you can develop into a superstar pass rusher. The talent is there in the mid rounds and the Browns are sitting really pretty at 26 to potentially get one of those guys early on. Yeah, I, and I think this was the mindset of Andrew Barry coming into free agency anyway. It's like if he would have been able to get Lawson or Hendrickson at the right price, he would have jumped all over it. The thing was, oh, yeah. and I and I think Nagakwe kind of set the tone when he got $13 million oh, from yeah, the Raiders. Oh, yeah, he did. He didn't deserve that. Yeah, and I mean, pr- looking at the projections, he got under what people thought he was going to get, but I think that kind of set the tone. Like if Nagakwe is getting this and he's only – I mean, he hasn't had, I think he had one double digit sack season so far and he's mm-hmm. not, he struggles against the run. You're looking at Carl Lawson who only had five and a half sacks last year, but got after the quarterback big time. I think he had 32 hits. Like the money was going to start coming for these guys. And I feel like Andrew Barry was like, these are our offers. We're not getting into a bidding war. If you can take it or leave it, you can come to Cleveland, compete for a Super Bowl, or go get your money elsewhere. I think that was the mindset. He's letting the market settle, and you know if he can get Clowney or Ingram on a, a one or two year deal, like you said, while also adding someone in the draft with one of the first few picks, I feel like you you feel really good about that, especially when the Browns are more focused on upgrading the secondary, because and people won't admit this. There's I mean there's people are starting to come around coverage is a lot more important than pass rush, especially in Joe mm-hmm. Woods' scheme. Yes, it is. I, coverage stacks are real. Like, those are real things in the NFL. So you just have your guys cover receivers, make sure the quarterback has no options downfield, 
and either a buys your defensive ends, defensive tackles enough time to get to the quarterback or B it forces the quarterback to either make a run or ideally get sacked or throw the ball out of bounds. And talking about them upgrading and coverage, uh, there's conflicting reports out there. Josina Anderson said what said last night that the Browns were in the mix for Shaquille Griffin. Lane Adkins is kind of retracting that on Twitter. Um, but he ended up signing with Jacksonville, got I think close to 15 million a year on average. That um, was ridiculous. That's, that's another overpay because and Shaquille Griffin's good, but he's good, but he ain't that much. Yeah, he ain't that good. But um, you know, there's still corners out there. A lot of them are slot corners, which uh, that market was deep. Outside corner wasn't that deep. It was Griffin and William Jackson, and there hasn't been a lot of buzz on Jackson. So I would think that if they're looking for an outside corner, that's another thing where, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, they're going to have to go to yep. the draft for. But I do expect the Browns to add some type of slot corner here in the coming days, whether it's a Brian Poole, Mike Hilton, Troy Hill, Kwan Williams. There's names out there and guys that could come in and produce at the slot corner position. Definitely for sure. There are, there's talent everywhere in terms of, you know, depth in terms of cornerback in this free agent class. But I will say again, it's almost a perfect draft for the Browns. Again, we'll get into the draft later, but the middle, like the second day options at corner granted, if a JC horn is to fall to 26, you don't think twice you take them. But just some of these options of Eric Stokes, Greg Newsom, Asante Samuel, Tyson Campbell. I mean, and that's just only a handful. Um, Mel Fonwu, Elijah Molden. These are some solid guys that you're going to be able to get in the second, third round that are going to be able to be starters in the NFL. So, again, if you're the Browns, for what you need, the draft has so many options for you, especially 26, where the draft's going to fall right to you, most likely. Without a doubt. I, I'm just, and let's go ahead and just jump into the draft talk. Uh, you released yeah. a mock draft last week over at the dogland.com, <laughs> which I definitely recommend everybody to uh, check out. And the, and the, yeah. the, the tagline for it was, let's get crazy. And 1.0 was crazy, but then you turned it up a notch and you threw another quarterback trade in there uh and i think I everybody kind of knows what's what we're talking about like he he had deshaun watson getting traded in the first one i think you had sam darnold correct me if i'm wrong but then yes, you threw the other you threw the other name the other name that's getting a lot of buzz i'm just kind of waiting for this trade to happen and you threw it in the mock draft it's russell wilson and it seems like yes. We are heading towards that, a Russell Wilson trade, which is crazy as it sounds because of the dead cap hit, because of why would the Seahawks do it? But uh, in this mock, Alex, which I'll let you have the floor no here in a choice. moment. Yeah, you had no choice just because you, you got to get crazy. You got to get uh, fun with it. You have the Seattle Seahawks trading Russell Wilson, but it's not to the team everybody thinks it would be. So I'll let you have the floor. Uh, let's talk about this right off the bat, the Russell Wilson trade. Uh, go ahead and take it out. So, so uh, I actually put in there wrong. I'm so used to saying Oakland, not Vegas. I apologize in that. We'll we'll probably have to go in and fix it. But uh, man, Vegas. Is there one team? That's what I kept asking myself. Is there one team that will panic because he's on the market and you feel the division around you is getting so good that you can't keep up with the quarterback you have? Now, could that be Chicago? Yes, I do think it can be Chicago. But who is the one owner in the NFL, not named Jerry Jones because he extended Dak Prescott? And I, full disclosure, before Dak got extended, I'm going to actually pull back the curtain. The original big trade of Mach 2.0 was the following. Dak Prescott to the Houston Texans, along with... Uh, number 10 and a first rounder next year to Houston in exchange for uh, for uh, Deshaun Watson. And then Houston would trade with New England at 15 and New England would get Mac Jones. So everything I do, there has to be logic to it. So, and it made sense to me. It was like, okay, you could swap those two out, get first round picks. Houston doesn't lose a beat in terms of talent. 
They can get X player. I think that I am getting Caleb Farley uh, at that point. Uh, and then the more and more I broke it down, I was like, it makes sense to do. So with Russell, the more and more I thought about it, I was like, do I want to put in the Russ trade for fun? And then I said, yeah, I really do. Then the next question is, does it make sense? Then I remembered Mark Davis, son of Al. Just win, baby. Uh, if he thinks Russell Wilson's the guy that they're missing, and oh, by the way, there's a head coach there that believes in just win, baby, in John Gruden, who I bet would love to work with Russell Wilson. They have the receivers to make it work. They have Darren Waller, a weapon he never had in terms of just the versatility of moving him inside at the tight end position outside in the slot sure dk metcalf can do some of this but not like darren waller he has a better running game in oakland they may think oh well if we get russell wilson no one's going to be able to stop our offense so yes i have oakland in this mock and i think not oakland las vegas sorry i can't get used to it it's still weird it's okay Um, i still say the chargers are in san diego See, I've, I've adjusted that, but it's been a couple years. So, right. But here's the trade 17 overall, with also their next three first round picks, along with Derek Carr. It's going to take someone uber aggressive to do it. And that's Mark Davis. The more I thought about it, I was like, they would totally pull the trigger on this. And this is something, if you're Pete Carroll, you're sitting like, Everyone loves TV Dad. On the next TV Dad, presented by Progressive, TV Dad gets us through heartache. <laughs> Chin up, sport. Oh, hey, TV Dad. You know what heals all wounds? Time? <laughs> no, it's remembering that drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. But Jen still doesn't want to be with me. True. I actually saw her with your friend Brian earlier. Wait, what? Listen to your TV dad. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Potential savings will vary. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. I can work with Derek Carr. I got DK Metcalf. I've got uh, Tyler Lockett. I can use this and build my team around it. And I'll be a contending team next year. Would I be a Super Bowl winner? Maybe. We'll see if I'm a good coach. Sure. Yeah, I believe in myself. I've won a ring. And God forbid, I think that team could still make the playoffs, as crazy as it sounds. A Derek Carr-led Seahawks team with an O-line, that team could win the NFC West. There's your hot take right there. They're that good everywhere else if they keep everything intact, which now with Shaquille Griffin, granted this was maybe before free agency, okay, maybe not as much. And I had him taking Micah Parsons, building a force with Bobby Wagner, which I'm like, well, good luck. I mean, those guys will be all over the place. And they would create such a dynamic force that, man, Seattle would be sitting really pretty, you know, with Derek Carr, their weapons, and now building a defense like that. Oh, by the way, you have their next three first-round picks as well. So you could get a future quarterback, or if Derek Carr shuts haters up, well, gee, you've got a quarterback, and no one's the wiser. So, yes, the deal made sense to me. Do I think Vegas is the best option? Maybe. Uh, I still think from a winning standpoint, if done correctly, Chicago's the better fit. Uh, But, man, if you got into Vegas... And they're just aggressive enough to do it. I'm like, how does it not make sense to pull that trigger? So I did it. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a bold, crazy trade. I I just can't like 
I feel like Derek Carr is probably the most dis, and this might be far fetched to say. I feel like he's the most disrespected quarterback in the league. Like he's no, like, he is. Oh, because like he's been good. Everything around him's been trash. You get rid of Khalil Mack. You get rid of Amari Cooper. Like those guys would help Derek Carr put the Raiders over the top. Maybe never not Super Bowl, oh, yeah. but they would be a consistent playoff team. I think. I just think Mayock oh, yeah. and Gruden have been over their heads since they got there. And and I feel bad for Derek Carr. And sometimes I wish he would go somewhere else just because so he can prove to people, yeah, I'm good. It's just these guys are holding me back. But I mean, Russell Wilson going to Vegas would make sense because he wants to go to a bigger market because he's frustrated with Seattle's direction. I mean, that's why he's mentioned some of these big market teams like Chicago, like New Orleans, like Dallas, like Vegas. I mean, these are and it would help his wife's career, which it seems to be, she's something she's trying to revitalize. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it would make sense. I feel like I'm with you. I think Chicago would be a better spot for him. And it sounds like he really wants to go there. So it'd be interesting to see if that materializes here in the next few weeks, but um, getting back to your mock draft, Alex, um, you know, let's go up to the top. I mean, you you yeah. have Trevor Lawrence still going number one to Jacksonville. Not a surprise. Number yeah. two, and I don't know if this – I don't have number one in front of me, but you have Zach Wilson going this time to the Jets. And there's been a yeah. lot – I mean, it's a lot of momentum going his way in the last couple of weeks. And, yep. you know, you hear people talking about him, comparing him somewhat to Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, so much so – I know Chris Sims hasn't ranked above Trevor Lawrence, but – like, what do you think of Zach Wilson personally? Do you buy all the hype surrounding him right now? Is it just because they need something to talk about in regards to the draft? Or do you think he could be this next Mahomes type in terms of talent and what he could potentially bring to a team such as the New York Jets? Uh, he is worth all the hype. Uh, this guy, I, I've said it in this one. I actually think Wilson could be better. At the end of the day, um, wow. his arm talent is unbelievable. He throws one of the best deep balls I've seen. His footwork is, I've said it, it, it sounds weird. His footwork is like a ballerina. Like, it's the best footwork I have ever seen from a quarterback in all my years of doing this. Now, does that mean anything? Eh, it kind of does. Is it the end-all, be-all? No. Uh, I mean, Marcus Mariota had some of the best footwork I had seen, and it just didn't adjust to the NFL level. Now, that might be more so of traits in terms of one, like Mariota, he was more running quarterback, more option-based. Zach Wilson is more going through his progressions, making the right throw, making the play. He has shown time and time again, this guy is arguably the best quarterback in this draft the ball placements there the accuracy the arm strength everything you're looking for and he has just enough athletic ability to extend plays the guy is for real I mean I'm not saying he's Mahomes in terms of my evaluation no one will ever be as good as Pat Mahomes on tape Mahomes I've never given out a perfect score in terms of just from what I've seen and just calling him a perfect prospect, Mahomes was as close to you as you were going to get. I thought it was like a 99 out of 100 in terms of perfection. Um, did I think he needed time to adjust to the NFL? Yes. Uh, and, and look how that worked out. Zach Wilson, I don't think he really needs the time. And I think if he goes to someone like the Jets, He's going to have pieces around him protecting him, allowing him to adjust on the fly. And this kid's improv skills are just unbelievable. Like, I've seen him make broken down plays into big plays like he's Johnny Manziel. Now, not to give anyone Johnny flashbacks, but, like, the kid is that good. I I rarely go on one-year wonder kids. This is the first time I'm actually sold on a one-year wonder kid. That speaks volumes to my rules, and that speaks volumes to how highly I think of Zach Wilson. I see it. 
in terms of going to the Jets, and you know they obviously have a new head coach, Robert Sala, new offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniel. If McDaniel's bringing the Shanahan scheme to New York, which by all accounts he he probably will because that's all he's ever learned because he's been under Shanahan going back to the Cleveland days, um, do you think Wilson is a good fit for the zone blocking scheme type offense that McDaniel's is likely going to incorporate with the Jets? I think so, but the more important thing is, who's the running back? That's the bigger thing, and that's the one thing I figured out with these Shanahan schemes, whether it be, you know, Mike Shanahan back in uh, Denver uh, with the success of the Brian Greasy and Orlando Gary era, beyond just, you know, Terrell Davis and uh, John Elway, because those guys were just Hall of Fame talents. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, Kyle Shanahan and the success – of you know, even what he did in Cleveland, it was started with Isaiah Crowell. Um, and then San Francisco, it starts with is their running game working? When their guys were injured this past year, they were toast. So for the Jets, it's more imperative in terms of the system they're running to get the running back right, to take the pressure off the quarterback. The reason why Jimmy G only has so much success in San Francisco and why guys like Brian Hoyer had only so much success is they aren't gifted as passers. Jimmy G is a good field general. He can run any scheme effectively and put you in a position to win. Is he the guy that puts you over the hump? No. Was Brian Hoyer? Sorry, Lima. No. Uh, that's that's not the case. Anthony <clears throat> yes, Lima, he was. You can, no, he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Lima, it, it, you want to know what? You can you can follow me. You can tweet at me at the CLE Sports Guy. We'll openly fight about it. Uh, I I welcome the challenge, and I think Ken Karma will officiate. Uh, anyways, uh, I'll jump in that fight. By the way, I still love Hoyer. <laughs> okay, two on one. I, I like a, I like a handicap match. Let's go. <laughs> uh, but Zach Wilson, I think fits any scheme. That that's my evaluation of him. He's a smart kid. He works his tail off. That's one of my bigger things I love about him. This kid, he transformed himself from an okay college quarterback. And we all and they all talked about like how much he worked during the pandemic and everything at these camps, all this stuff just to get better. The work ethic is there. And would we ever think that Baker Mayfield was going to work originally, originally. Now, Freddie Kitchens couldn't run offense. Was he really going to work in that Todd Haley-like offense? It's questionable if he fit the skill set, but he made it work. I kind of put Wilson that Baker Mayfield-like area where scheme doesn't freaking matter. What's more important is, can you be the best passer on the field? The answer with Zach Wilson is yes. So the more important question with the Jets is get your freaking running back right. If you get that right, you take the pressure off Wilson, you limit what he has to do, and you can excel in the areas where he excels at by running plays after everyone's focusing on the running game. I don't know who the Jets or the Jets may add a running back at this point, but right now their number one running back is LaMichael P. Ryan who will be a second year back out of Florida. So it's interesting to see if they think he could potentially fit that scheme, but well, I'm with you. I mean, that offense goes through the running game. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what they do with the running back position. Uh, going down the line on your mock, just some things noted, things I'm noticing that stick out. Uh, the Washington football team. They are obviously looking for that long-term franchise quarterback. They added Ryan Fitzpatrick in free agency, but you had them going up for Trey Lance, who uh, last week had his pro day at North Dakota State. Granted, it was indoors, but that kid put on a show. He showed off the arm strength, uh, the way he was zipping the football. It looked really well. Um, he's obviously a name that doesn't get a lot, didn't get a lot of buzz because he only played in one game last year, but uh he he's up there among the top quarterbacks in this draft and you have the Washington football team making a trade with the Detroit lions here, which mm-hmm. Detroit could still be in the market for a quarterback, even though they have Jared Goff, but you have them moving up from 19 to seven, giving up a third and then a first and a third in 2022 to move up to get Trey Lance. Uh, how do you feel about Trey Lance's game? 
Oh, man. I, he was QB2 going into the year, believe it or not. I had him right behind Trevor Lawrence. He falls to QB4 because he didn't play. So I didn't get to see how he developed uh, in the last year, except for one game where, let's be honest, North Dakota State had two months to prepare for that game. And probably the campus was limited to begin with, so they probably got together a week or so before who knows if the team was out of shape or not and did just enough to get ready for that game. And still Trey Lance, even though he looked bad in the first half and they were down, carried him on his back and won the game. I believe it was central Arkansas. They beat. So that was impressive first and foremost to just in a, in one game on the fly, everything's riding on it. Everyone's watching you. You play bad, but you pick it up and you, carry your team to the win one that speaks highly to his character very highly to his character um his ball placement again one of the biggest things i look for is ball placement he's right there at the top he's right there with zach wilson and we saw in his pro day some of the dimes he was dropping i'm just watching go like okay you still got it like you've been working that's good um, he does tend to throw the ball high and he tends to get like loose hips and has the ball sail on him, which is why I note in here, he needs to go to a place where he's going to sit for a year with Ryan Fitzpatrick now in Washington. Um, now I feel even more confident that Washington may make a play to move up to get him. Now, uh, in mock 3.0, I can tell you with, uh, because I've already started it, it's already changing. And we'll get to it probably later, but like already in 3.0, major changes across the board because now teams' needs are being filled. Now we're seeing how the board is filling out. And we're just sitting back now and figuring out what comes next. But for this one, God, that'd be a perfect fit for Trey Lance to go to Washington, learn from Fitzmagic, knowing that he's a raw prospect. He does not need to play this year. I mean, Fitzmagic is Fitzmagic. He will figure out a way to play well. And with that division, he's going to have him in the race. He's going to have him in the race. Trey Lance does not need to start in the star, which is what he needs. Yeah, and I think Washington would be a perfect spot for him, especially now that they got Ryan Fitzpatrick as well as, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Taylor Heineke, is that his name? The kid that's in the playoff game? Taylor Heineke. Heineke, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's a perfect spot. Two guys that, you know, he can learn from, absorb all the knowledge, and then 2022, I mean, wherever, if Washington is the team that moves up for him, he can be unleashed. And, I mean, if the talent is as good as advertised, you know, Washington finds their long-term uh, quarterback I mean, it seems like a perfect fit, especially now with the Fitzpatrick signing. Uh, the one thing we didn't talk about at 1.0 was the cornerback position. And you have them going back-to-back off the board at 9 and 10. Caleb Farley, mm-hmm. who did not play last year, he opted out out of Virginia Tech. And then Patrick mm-hmm. Sertan out of Alabama. Um, how do you rank those two? Is it close? Obviously, Farley goes first in your mock. Is he your number one guy or is Sertan your number one guy? Farley's number one because he's more of a corner than Sertan is. Sertan is going to be more of a fit uh, pick. Uh, There are people who think he's a safety. There are people who think he's a corner. The way the NFL works, versatility is always great. Um, But I just, I still value him as a corner. He was a shutdown corner for Alabama. He handled the best of the best. I don't know why people see him as a safety. Maybe it's an athletic thing. Take as little as three minutes to see if you could save on motorcycle insurance with Progressive. Come on, you've spent more time than that debating your accessories. Could use some new riding gloves. Guess I'll go with black leather again. Ah, just seems so basic. Wait, what if I did white leather? People be like, hey, this guy's different. Or they might be like, hey, this guy looks like a butler. Yeah, okay. Black leather it is. Get a quote in as little as three minutes at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. But still, why he played in the SEC? Don't overthink this. But Farley, in terms of just pure athletic talent and what he's done on paper, he has been a lockdown corner for Virginia Tech. And I would I think he's the best corner in this draft. I'd love him on the Browns if it was remotely possible. It's not, but Man, him opposite Tunsil Ward, shoot, no one's going to fly there. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, also in this one, we had Houston uh, trading up with Denver. This is the new Watson uh, trade scenario. Uh, it, I, and uh, we can get into that if you want. But still, I think for Houston, uh, if they were to make this trade, they would rebuild the defense and start at cornerback because there is no edge rusher worth taking at nine. I'm sorry. Paye maybe, but uh, still, I'm uh, I'm questionable. For the Cowboys, Sertan fits beautifully there. They just lost uh, Chidobia Wuzier, uh to the Bengals in free agency. They need a corner. I fully expect them to be targeting a corner. Whoever's left there, I think they're just going to nab up. And I think on top of it, they might see him as a free safety. And quite honestly, with the way they have their corners set up, which they have a couple of decent ones, not like game changers, but they have a couple of good ones. And if they feel they need a center fielder free safety, that can be Patrick Sertan. He'd fit amazingly in that Dallas defense, providing an instant starter and an instant playmaker to a defense that was far too susceptible to the big play last year. And as we're talking corner, the Bengals just got former Steeler and Browns target uh, Mike Hilton in free agency. So he's off the board. Interesting. Now. Um, you did mention Houston trading with this pick to get Caleb Farley. They in your mock, they have you have them sending Deshaun Watson to Denver for the ninth pick, a 2021 third, a 2022 and 2023 first round picks, along with Drew Locke. Now, Drew Drew Locke's a fascinating uh, player because he got the chance to start last year, shown some flashes. It's not for sure he's the franchise guy. And now John Elway is not the man in charge anymore. Well, he is to a degree, but George Patton, uh, the former Vikings personnel guy, is now the GM there. So he's running the show. Are we sure it's not the World War II general? It could be the (laughs) World War II general. It could be. It could be. But he drew. He's not committed to Drew Locke, so you would think. I don't know how much Elway has say on this, but if Locke's not his guy, you would think the Broncos would be in the market just because they haven't had a franchise quarterback since Peyton Manning. It's unclear if Drew Locke can be that guy, but if Deshaun Watson's to be had, you would think a team like the Denver Broncos would certainly be in the hunt for him. And for sure, this would be intriguing for Houston because if you're Houston and you're trained to Sean Watson, they don't have an arc quarterback on their roster that I can think of off the top of my head. Don't don't even research it. It's just I'm 99% sure it's bad. Um, it, so Drew Locke would be interesting to them because he's on his rookie deal and it's a second round rookie deal. So he's got two more years on his deal because he was drafted, what, 2019? So 2019, 2020, two more years left on his deal. You have time to figure out in the next year, can you build around Drew Locke or can you not? Because if you can't, well, then fine. It's going to be a cheap deal. You bring him in next year, maybe draft one the first round. Maybe you get Sam Howell and luck out. Uh, and uh, have those two battle it out for the job, which Sam Howell would win, not even close. Uh, it, so it would be an intriguing deal for Houston to get number nine, get your corner, get a first rounder next year and the following year, and then you get that young QB that you can kind of test test the waters with, almost like you're getting a free test drive on a quarterback with high upside and good arm talent for your past franchise quarterback. 
For sure. I mean, you you just try to you got time with Locke. You see what he's got. I mean, if you can get Deshaun Watson, go get Deshaun Watson because it's a clear upgrade. But obviously, you want to see more out of Drew Locke. I'm sure Fangio and company on the coaching staff will have a say, a strong say in it as well. And if they like Locke, you would think that they would continue to go in that direction for sure. Um, as we go down the board and we get to pick 26, let's focus on the Browns now at this point. Yeah. Um, you have them trading down now. Trading down has always been a fun discussion point leading into draft season. And I think at this point we're, we're at pick 26. I think like I, if you say, Oh, the Browns should trade down here because the talent gap between 26 and whatever pick they move down to it's, it's, you can get a guy worthwhile if you move down and gain more picks. And I'll be honest, when I go in the draft simulator, I'm usually trading back. I like getting Mm -hmm. more picks. I like having more stabs at it. That's what Sashi Brown, what they were talking about when they traded down all those times, they gained more picks. So they had more chances to acquire talent. It's just the name of the game Uh, here. You have them trading down with the New York jets who, Obviously, in your mock, take Zach Wilson. They trade Sam Darnold to the Bears, get pick 20, take Najee Harris. And here you have them moving number 34 and number 66 to Cleveland for 26. You have them taking Kadarius Toney. Uh, Take us through your mindset of why the Jets and the Browns could be an ideal trade partner and why Toney fits with the Jets here at this pick. So now with Corey Davis to uh, New York, this pick makes even more sense uh, than I originally intended it to be. And don't forget, they get Jalen Mayfield as well at 23. So they have four first round picks uh, completely revamping that entire offense and building it around Zach Wilson. First and foremost, that's what the Jets have to do to set themselves up with Zach Wilson and this offense. A guy like Jalen Mayfield, I think, can fit well in the zone scheme. Uh, he has good agility. He could, He's versatile along the line. He could play guard. He could play tackle. I think he can do it all. Uh, he'd be a great addition for that line. Uh, then you have Najee Harris, who I think is the right guy for this Jets team. Travis Etienne, I like him. I think Najee Harris, though, when he carried Alabama on his back, set himself apart at the end of last year and can be a bell cow. uh, That's exactly what the Jets need. That is exactly what the Jets need. And then Kadarius Toney, explosive, versatile playmaker. You can have him line up next to Zach Wilson in the shotgun. You can have him lined up in the slot. You can have him be the vertical outside threat. He could do it all. And this is exactly what a Mike McDaniel needs to run his offense, to have that Swiss Army knife that no one knows how to defend because no one knew how to defend him at Florida, along with Kyle Pitts. That's why Kyle Trask was so good. It, I, I'm not here to knock Kyle Trask. Okay, yes, I totally am because I think he's a bust. I think Kyle Trask, his numbers were extremely inflated because you have two of the biggest mismatches and all of college football on your offense in Tony and Pitts. Tony can do it all. This is a perfect opposite to Corey Davis to take the pressure off of him, to allow him to be the big body physical receiver that he is. And he started to finally reach his potential last year in Tennessee. And I mean, I always was high on the kid. I'm glad that he's finally reaching. Put him with Tony. Put him with Zach Wilson. These guys, geez, the Jets. The Jets could threaten the Dolphins next year in games. I'm not saying they're going to catch him in the division, uh, or even the Bills. Uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch. For the Browns, it becomes more of. And if you look at the board at this point, we're looking at Kadarius Tony, which I thought about him to the Browns. I really did. Uh, I think he'd be perfect for Baker Mayfield. I thought about Greg Newsom here. He has blown up the boards and the more you watch him and yes, his 40 time kind of helped him too. But the more you watch him on tape, he's just a sticky corner. He doesn't get beat often. And that's sometimes all you need. He is good. There are some injury problems, but I think teams are overlooking that. Now you have almost all the edges there at 26, 
which I felt was more ammunition to trade down. Because when you look at it nowadays, okay, if we look at Mach 3.0, it's very hard for me to mock a trade down now with the way things have gone with the Ravens, uh, especially now that they signed Kevin Zeitler. So I think they're going to look edge nowadays. So full disclosure, I think it's changing in 3.0. But at this time when I was going through it, the more and more I thought about it, I was like, all the edges are there. The Browns could trade down. Two or three could be there at 34. The Jets need this wide receiver. They're only giving up really uh, 66 for this pick. You want to know what? It makes all the sense in the world to do it. And if you're the Browns, you run to the podium and just say, we're trading. We're trading this pick to the Jets. Run back and go like, ha-ha, we got him this time. Because now you sit there with 34, 59, 66, 89, 91, five picks on day two with so many opportunities to fill the needs on your team, it's a no-brainer to do it. Without a doubt. And as we look, you we go down and you wrote at the end of your mock draft, you had an ideal Browns day two. Now, with this yep. trade, they have 34, 59, 66, 89, and 91. I mean, five of the top 91 picks. I'm sure Andrew Barry would be jumping for joy at that point. Um, mm-hmm. When you... So I'll let you have the floor again, and you talk about who do you think would be ideal targets in your mock draft with these picks, uh, the five that I mentioned. So I'm going to save Jason Oway for last because I really have a spiel with him. Uh, Hamsa, I can't pronounce his last name, Dean or whatever, however you pronounce it. I'm horrible with last names like that. Uh, just a long last name that I'm not even going to try again. I want to, but I'm not. Uh, he's 6'3", 220, versatile safety, but he's great in the running game. Right now, the Browns have numerous cover safeties. They don't really have that athletic safety that can come up and put pressure on the passer. Now, you could say that could be a Sheldrick Redwine who's in the room right now. And the Browns could very well walk in the next year with Delpit, Redwine, Johnson, and Harrison and be very, very happy. You walk in with Hamsa here, that might be the best safety room in all of football, and it's not even close. I mean, he's physical, fast, and he just provides what you're missing. Though I think Ronnie Harrison was not used in the way that he excels in last year, and yet he still did a great job. Uh, Going down from 91 to 89, Elijah Moore, the more I watch him, I am in love. I love this guy, too. The, some of the best route running ability in this draft. His explosiveness is perfect for what the Browns are running. Baker will love him in the slot. I mean, this guy, I mean, you could probably have him be the vertical threat, but I'm only thinking like, hey, you want to take some pressure off Jarvis Landry of playing in the slot? Get Elijah Moore, get him in the slot, let him beat everybody, and Baker go like, oh, look, over the middle. Five-yard pass. Oh, look, he's now 30 yards downfield because he's so fast. That's Elijah Moore for you. And he was so reliable at Ole Miss. He thrived there. And I think he'd be a great fit for the Browns and a guy who I'm highly targeting. Granted, he's undersized, but I really don't freaking care. I would love bigger size of the wide receiver, but he's too good. He's too good. You don't pass on him. Uh, 66, Ifantu Malafanu out of Syracuse. Big athletic corner and he runs he fits well in that zone coverage scheme that we're going to be running uh he fits what joe woods wants and that's as simple as that he's not the best corner but he's as talented as any of the others with as much upside as anyone and at that size that's another thing that you need in this cornerback room you can't go with these five nine shrimpy corners that's not the way the league is going. And when you're playing a team like, I, I hate to say it, the Bengals have T. Higgins, A.J. Green, these big physical receivers. You need a corner that is big and physical too, but also athletic enough to keep up with you. Uh, and that's Mel Fonwood. So I really like him. Uh, Jabril Cox is becoming my linebacker crush. Uh, I, Granted, there are some tackling issues, which I know Browns fans are going to go like, why? Why are you looking at this guy when he has tackling issues? 
I still think tackling can be taught. That's that's the big thing. You can't teach his pure athletic ability and natural skills in coverage against tight ends, which he does well. He was the FCS Defensive Player of the Year at North Dakota State, then transferred to LSU and had a solid year, showed he could play with the most athletic players in the game. I think he's very coachable. I think he's a guy that athletically this front office is going to like and is going to fit in very well uh, with Jacob Phillips, uh, with Sione Taki Taki, with Mac Wilson, uh, and provide yet another option, especially if they don't sign someone. If they sign a veteran, even better. It would just add to what we need, which is athletic linebackers. I, I honestly, at this point, do not care if they can tackle. All I care about is can they fly all over the field? That is Jabril Cox, which is why I like him. He flies all over the place. He'll be a disruptive force in terms of his just pure athletic ability, which is another reason why he's still high in Jacob Phillips. And then number 34, Jason Owe. I need Browns fans to get used to this name. He is arguably the number one defensive end on my board. I can make a case for him over Paye. Yes, he had zero sacks. I know you all look at the stupid, simplistic stats. You don't look at the film and realize Jason Owe was in the backfield every single play, it seemed like, just wrecking havoc when he didn't even have Micah Parsons to offset him. The entire Big Ten knew Jason Owe was coming, and they still couldn't get him out of the backfield. That tells me everything I need to know. If Micah Parsons was playing, I think Jason Owe would have had at least five sacks, probably 10, and Penn State would have won a couple more games. Sure, that's the effect of Micah Parsons, but it's also the effect of having another athletic, great defender that takes the pressure off of you. Now put him opposite of Miles Garrett and coach him up. No one's going to know what to do in about a year or two when these two are running at full like perfect sync with each other it's going to arguably be the best tandem in the nfl the guy is a great pass rusher and he's only scratching the surface because he's only been playing a couple years he's just figuring himself out and yet he was still in the backfield without micah parsons the upside is unfreaking real and this is the guy that like even though I'm missing out on Trey Hendrickson, Carl Lawson, all these guys, cool, fine. Give me Jason Owen. I'm happy. I'm very, very happy. Give me a veteran to coach him up. Give me, I don't know, an Ingram. Give me an Ingram to teach this kid up and take him under his wing with Miles Garrett. This kid's going to be a stud at the next level if he goes to the right scenario. So Jason Owen is the guy at 34. I would love him. I even think he's in play at 26 right now. He would be a perfect fit in Cleveland. Yeah, I think he would be too. I just like, and you, you <clears throat> Alex, you know, the narrative is already going to be started when people look and you made the case because Michael Parsons wasn't there. Oh, the Browns just drafted an edge that had zero sacks in his final season in college. And it's like, and we keep, and people keep saying this. Sacks aren't everything when you look at edge guys. Look at pressures. Look at QB hits. Look at go inside the numbers and look and see if this guy's going to be an impact guy. And Oa is one of those impact guys, and he would be a perfect fit in Cleveland, like you said. And we and we just saw. I just saw this on Twitter, and now you're putting him in a room with Miles Garrett, potentially veteran, and Tack McKinley. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, the rotations you could have. With this team with three young, speedy pass rushers and maybe throw in a veteran, oh, God, Joe Woods isn't going to know what to do with all this talent. Good luck, everybody. Good luck guarding us. It's not going to end pretty for you, but good luck. Right. I mean, this is 
the McKinley signing is a good signing by the Browns. Uh, one year, it's um, he could make up to $4 million, I guess, according to reports. But, yeah, you add him into the room with Miles Garrett, they still could go out and get an, a Melvin Ingram or a Jadevian Clowney or a Carlos Dunlap. And you just added Tech McKinley. You have Porter Gustin. You have Curtis Weaver. Like, that edge room is looking pretty good right now on paper rolling into camp if they add another veteran and a draft pick to go along with Clowney or with Garrett McKinley and others. Yeah. I mean, it could be arguably among the best in football. If you play this all out, right. Uh, I think now with tech McKinley, uh, I think Gregory Rousseau enters the conversation. If he makes it to 26, simply because of his versatility, I, for one, am not a fan, but you know, it is what it is. But I think if you get a Jason away in here, Oh my goodness, it, it would just be, you can tell I have a big draft crush on this guy right now. He's he's slowly turning into the number one guy I want. There is a different. I don't want to spoil who the number one guy at 26 is for everybody. That's an article coming soon. Um, but anyways, I, I would love him at 26. I, I'm, I'm actually you know, I'm going to say right now. I will sit here and I will do cartwheels if they take him at 26 and I'll be at the draft. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this would be a great pick for the Browns because I don't think safety is as much in play at 26 as it was prior to the John Johnson signing. I would say edge or even corner. I think those would be the routes they go unless they trade down, of course. But yeah, if Owa was the pick, I would be ecstatic as well. Yeah. That seems to be the way we're trending right now. Mock 3.0 is definitely trending that way. Uh, like I said in the first time we talked uh, about this, mock three. The, these mocks I sit on for three weeks, and this one was the trickiest because free agency was right on the horizon. Uh, again, check it out and just like record notes in terms of like make guesses of how I'm going to change it because I got crazy for the sake of being crazy because free agency was two days later, so I really didn't care at that point. But 3.0, I will say, just kind of a little bit of a tease, I don't get as crazy. I honestly have – I actually have a rough draft. It's already, like, set. Um, it's the most sane mock draft I have ever written right now. It is very sane. I can tell you right now – hold on, let me pull it up real quick. I have two trades right now. Neither of them include Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson right now. And I honestly feel like I can sit back and say I'm fine with that because I think this is the most realistic mock draft I can come up with. And that's kind of where I stand right now. And no, it does not include the Browns at 26 making a trade. So I have the Browns staying at 26. So... That's kind of where we are right now, and that's why I said at the end, we're going to find out uh, the way this offseason's going. Uh, teams are overspending, clearly. Uh, teams are filling their needs now, and now we're starting to get an idea of where teams are going to go in the draft. I think in talking uh, with you, Jack, today that, you know, hey, we know the Browns are probably looking at edge and corner. And like I said earlier in the show, they're sitting perfectly to address that. If they were, and here's one thing. I know people say we need a linebacker and Zayvon Collins is great. And I love Zayvon Collins. There is no guarantee Zayvon Collins will be there at 26. I can see five teams before the Browns taking him. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't object to it. The Browns are seeing perfectly for what they're addressing now and what they need to address later. So if you're a Browns fan, the way this free agency is gone, it's gone perfectly for you so far. You're sitting really pretty at 26. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we're still about a month away, but the board is starting to become a lot clearer and exactly what the Browns, what we think they're going to do at 26. I mean, it's becoming quite clear. Um even with the start of free agency. And I just kind of hope, you know, they just, they led the board come to, I don't expect them to trade up, but just, I think the board will come to them and they will be in a great spot to where they can get exactly who they want. Or even if they feel like they can move back and still get the guy they want, they're, they're in a perfect spot, which is good because it'll be a long night that night 
to wait for the, what the Browns are going to do, but I feel like they are in a great position and there's a ton of talent that should be there when they get to 26 that uh, Andrew Barry will make the right choice. Yeah, I, I have full confidence in Andrew Barry that he'll make the right decision because he's he's shown nothing more than his full my the full trust to get behind him at this point. So I'm I am all for it. Without a doubt. Uh, you know, Alex, as we wrap things up, we have an announcement to make. And you already yes, made it we on do. Your, you made it on your podcast, but uh, we haven't officially announced it here on the Dogland podcast. Um, we are becoming a network. It, we the Dogland network is uh, growing as we will have a new podcast to unveil in the month of April. Alex, go ahead and tell people what you and I have in the works currently. So I teased this a month ago saying, you know, I kind of want to retire after further review. I need a co-host. And I had a, I had a couple of great, you know, people reach out. So if they're listening to us, I really appreciate you guys reaching out. Uh, and I had talked with one other seriously, and that didn't work out the way I planned. And then Jack reached out and we started talking and we were like, what do we want to do with this pod? Like, is it going to be a Browns? Is it going to be a sports? What is it going to be? And the more we talked about, we're like, I I said, I just want to talk Browns. I just want bullshit about them. Like have fun with this and, you know, be more fans. And I know this podcast is more analysis, giving you the expert analysis. And I was like, you want to know what? Let's offer something that's an alternative for the Dogland here. So uh, Jack and I are very proud to announce that starting our first show is going to be March 31st. It is called Top Dogs. I don't know how you guys passed up on this name after feeling dangerous. I, I Thank you. But how did nobody run with Top Gun, Top Dog? And you know what's funny, thank though? You. Not to cut you off, we when we used to do our player of the game, we we called it the top dog of the game. So it does coincide with the Dogland podcast and the Dogland network. How so. has no one? How has no one thought of this? Is the big question. Like I know I'm a top fan, and I'm like, I literally went through everywhere finding is there a top dog Browns podcast, and I'm like, holy cow, there is. You fools. You are all fools. How did you let this happen? Thank you, though. Uh, shout out to Andy Lytle. Uh, he actually made our logo, which, dude, Andy, I cannot say this enough. I gave him an idea, and he ran with it, and he freaking nailed it out of the freaking part. Thank you, Andy, you beautiful son of a gun. Uh, it is straight fire. We cannot wait to get you guys started with us on Top Dogs. Uh, I mean, to kind of give people an idea, and we actually are going to work on a trailer here probably in the next week to kind of give you guys an idea of what the show is going to be about. But, like, we're going to be doing uh, top tens. We're going to be doing uh, a 75th anniversary team. I know we've already discussed that. I think we're going to be fighting about that a lot. Oh, that's going to be uh, fun. Who's our GM? Who's our GM? Ooh. Nobody from this era, my, unfortunately. I, I, honestly... Uh, I honestly, I have an idea. I, I'm going to say this on air. I almost want to do like a draft. Like we draft our 75th anniversary team separately. Like we do alternating picks. And then we just see, we ask people who has the best 75th anniversary team. That could be intriguing. I think I just that, seen someone that, do that though. So I don't want to steal their uh, idea. So we'll, we'll come up with Darn something. it. Yeah. Darn it. Hey, I didn't I didn't even know that existed. I'm not stealing anything. It was just a good idea. Anyways, yeah. uh, but yeah, the one that we're really most excited about, we have like how many have we come up with? Like six or seven scenarios? There's been quite a few. Uh, this is gonna be something I've wanted to do for a long time, and I've almost done podcasts on it. Alternate Browns history. And one of them is just like I have to show you the notes that I have on it. Like it is ridiculously crazy on one of them. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but Browns fans are just going to be like, why are you torturing us? <laughs> and it's just like, and, and you want to know what it's for the sake of fun. Uh, and that's what this show is going to be about. We're going to be fun. Uh, and if you don't agree with us, Hey, fine. You know what? It, it's more hot takes. I think we should do a hot take of the week though. 
I, hey, I can come up with something. Like, let's, I, tri- I, let's trigger people every week. Hot take of the week. John Dorsey was the worst Brown since 19, GM Brown since 1999. I'll fight you on it. Oh, my goodness. I die on this hill, damn it. Work me into a shoot. I don't care. That's what we need to do is trigger Browns fans even more. <laughs> we're the top dogs, so, you know. Yes, hey. sir. Hey, we're shooting people down to begin with. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I am looking so forward to this podcast. Uh, I mean, it's not. I mean, like Alex said, this is not going to be like this podcast, the Dogland podcast. We're, we have fun on this podcast, but I feel like we're going to have even a lot more fun with the top dogs. Oh, God, we're going to have so much fun with this. So much fun. Can't wait. March 31st yeah. is the first show. Uh, we've locked that in. Uh, we're figuring out our schedule. Actually, after we record this uh, pod, we're actually going to schedule out the first day. So, Absolutely. So look forward to that in the coming weeks. Um, Alex, when should we expect 3.0? Right around that time as well? Uh Probably a week or so after. Uh, okay. I really want free agency to settle down. I want most of the names to be gone. Uh, I want I want the team needs to take shape. So that's kind of where I'm at. Absolutely. So everybody, go check out um, Mock Draft 2.0 over at thedogland.com. Go back and look at Mock Draft 1.0. Alex is doing some great work. I think he's got other stuff coming down the pipeline. Alex, go ahead. And plug your Twitter, plug your podcast that you, the other podcasts that you do as we get on out of here. Uh, follow me at the CLE Sports Guy. Uh, subscribe to After Further Review. Actually, a uh, small announcement on that. The From the Land podcast series uh, is actually eventually going to be moved to its own separate uh, channel. Uh, so that won't happen for about a month or so. Uh, but check out our three interviews with Caitlin Marshall from Crunched Out with Caitlin, Andy Lytle from Not Same Old Browns podcast, Patrick Oning of Possession Arrow and Time of Possession. And rumor has it our next guest is going to be Jack McCurry, I think. I've heard know. of that guy. I've heard of that guy. Yeah, I, I, I've heard Jack is the next guest. I'm from the land. Uh, we cannot confirm or deny, but sources are telling me. <laughs> Uh, definitely looking forward to sitting down and doing that podcast with you as well, Alex. Uh, thank yeah. you for coming on, spending uh, what you. is the usual hour sit down that we have when we talk <laughs> sports. Uh, as always, guys, follow me on Twitter at jackmccurry08. You can follow the site at thedogland.com or at thedogland on Twitter as well as Facebook. And as we get on out of here, until next time, go Browns. Go Browns. Leftovers or. <laughs> The DMV Number 97 Or House cleaning Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun Play over a hundred different games online For free from anywhere You could redeem some serious prizes Chumbacasino.com Live the Chumba life No purchase necessary Void where prohibited by law T plus terms and conditions apply See website for details